Hi, and welcome to the Crypto Mises podcast, uh, the official podcast of the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute. This is Michael Goldstein. I'm Daniel Krewitz. And today we are going to talk about monetary stability. Well, there was a recent uh, Coindesk article called Can Bitcoin's Price Ever Be Stable? which uh, discussed some, uh, some ideas people have had about attempting to, um, to regulate Bitcoin's supply, well, not Bitcoin, but some cryptocurrency's supply in order to stabilize the price. And so uh, I'd like to talk about why these kinds of schemes aren't going to work and why, why they don't really make any sense. So, I don't want to talk about any of them specifically, because if we refute any one of them, people will just make up new ones. But, but basically, any, any attempt to, to stabilize the price by manipulating the supply of a currency is going to fail. Um, I think, first off, we should say, um, is stability something that exists in nature? That is a good point. Uh, clearly not. Uh, unless you're dead, but in in life there isn't anything that's stable. Uh, there are always things that require more input to keep running, and there's always new things coming out that you have to deal with. Uh, there's always new historical events. We can't just we can't just keep keep doing the same thing over and over forever. Uh, and the whole idea. Is kind of absurd. Um, so, so to say that there's such a thing as, as price stability on its face is already absurd um, to the likes of like a perpetual motion machine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I understand why people want stability. Be- people don't want to. People don't want to have problems. They want to just get into a habit and just be able to do that forever. But that's not. That's just not how real life works. And the whole idea of of a stable currency doesn't really make any sense in a world that is unstable. So, for example, in Bitcoin's case, I would say that the world is deciding whether it wants to use Bitcoin as its money. And that is a huge, huge change. So it's totally reasonable that Bitcoin would be unstable. So the first, well, the next thing to get out of the way is when you're... um, manipulating the price by changing the supply what what they say in this article they say we should do it by some metric that's the word they use metric so what that really means is basically an algorithm or some kind of prescription um but what what they don't say is they're really talking about manipulating people because prices are just lots of people interacting with one another they're not just you know, they're, they're not like the water level. They're not like the tides coming in and out. Right. So prices are something that emerge from people's subjective preferences. And sort of the prices on the mar- market are sort of a, an aggregation of a lot of people's uh, preferences going into uh, different trades um, to the point at which like a, some price emerges for that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you're talking about... Um, uh, stabilizing the price, you're talking about manipulating people. You're really talking about somehow um, gaming a market to come to a predetermined outcome, um, which 
first of all, that's manipulation, but it's also monumental hubris. Because, I mean, can you really imagine uh, manipulating any one person with some kind of algorithm or differential equation? I mean, obviously that's crazy, and people are going to wise up to that sort of thing very quickly. You can't just, you can't just treat somebody exactly the same way every day, right? They're not going to react the same way each time. So with, when you're trying to, um, to adjust to this, this huge group of people, the only way that you can continually uh, create a predetermined outcome is by continually being smarter than everybody else, which, which is obviously unrealistic. Nobody can do that. Yeah, and so, I mean, in all of these, these metrics are things like um, looking at... at the, the mining reward or... Transaction volume or, or the uh, velocity of, of money. Or relationships to other currencies. Um, but ultimately, that's, that's really a bunch of people who are all interacting. Right. And there's always, there's always an incentive to, to predict what the algorithm is going to do. So you can't actually stabilize a currency with some algorithm or, or metric because uh, people always learn. People, people adapt to new situations, and you can't have some sort of simple, simple theory about how people behave. Once you, um, you, you go into this currency manipulation business and you start to... Um, manipulate your currency according to simple rules, people are going to figure them out very quickly. And then they're going to try to make money based on predicting your reactions. So, for example, uh, you're about to release some new currency. Uh, they're going to short sell. Then they'll be able to make money uh, off of the release in the new currency. And this, in turn, is going to accentuate... The, um, the reaction from releasing the new money. So that's, that's a change in how the currency reacts to creating new money. And it's a cha the, the change happens because people learn to react uh, to what you're doing. This is going to happen to any, any algorithm, unless your algorithm is so perfect that it can predict how everybody is going to learn, which is nonsense. So once people start to, to predict, predict the algorithm's behavior, and once they start to be able to make money off of it, um, there has to be somebody else losing money. Because it's not like you're creating value. You're, you're not creating products that people are going to continually want to buy. Um, people aren't going to want to buy the currency if they think it's always going to lose value, if traders are always driving the price down. So there has to be somebody losing money. And that's either, either the central authority or someone managing the currency. In the case of a distributed system, it has to be the people holding the currency, it, since there isn't a central authority. Um, what, what traders are going to do by predicting the behavior of your, your metric is they're, they're going to drive the price down. Uh, if there were central authority, they could also drive the supply down. But, but that would mean that 
your central authority would have to be buying the currency only to get rid of it, which doesn't make a lot of sense. In either case, somebody, somebody has to be losing out. That's what makes this whole thing unsustainable. As long as there is a set prescription, um, there's always the, the people who are able to predict the behavior will be able to make money off of the people who aren't. And that just means that the people who aren't are going to leave. And once they leave, then there's no more money to be made and there's no more currency. Uh, so this, this sort of uh, manipulation is inherently unstable. It may work for, for some time, but it's always going to stop working once people figure it out. So I guess this is a good time to um, kind of make a dichotomy between um, two ways of, of understanding what a stable money means. Um, traditionally, uh, monetary stability would not refer to the price, um, but to the actual physical integrity of the good. But with the, the physical integrity, you know that if you receive a gold coin, um, you know, you know it, was, it was made by this mint, I have a reason to trust that this is all what they say it is. There's not tungsten in it. You know that um, it, it weighs a certain amount. You have you have a reason to trust the unit as sort of its physical, like its its qualitative nature. Sure. Um, and your definition of stability, that's something that you can actually control. It's something that you can design into a system. It's something objective too. Right. It, it's it's something that some individual person can actually have if they want it. Whereas price stability is about tons and tons of people all trying to cooperate with one another and none of them is in control. Right, and so um, if you want to um, have price stability in a sense of, you know, I want a constant rate of inflation by looking at the price of certain goods on the market, um, you're always going to be, as you describe it, manipulating um, the money. You're manipulating people's preferences, and you're always doing it in a very subjective manner, too. So, why don't we talk about Bitcoin's price stability? Like, how would Bitcoin achieve some level of price stability? We can't, we can't have absolute price stability, but we can have some level of sustainable price stability with Bitcoin eventually. We can't have it as long as people are unsure about the future state of Bitcoin. If there's lots and lots of people entering, we can't have a stable price. But in that case, why would we want it? That would just that would be wrong. It the the price reflects the fact that Bitcoin is growing. And the same thing if people become unsure and fearful and if they're leaving, then, then the price goes down. Um, these these prices they're, they're really the emotions of very real people who are involved in Bitcoin, and, and the price reflects that, as it should. But if, if Bitcoin is done being adopted, and people have decided that Bitcoin is the world's money, then Bitcoin will be stable, because people will have some assurance about how everybody else is going to treat Bitcoin. And it's not like there's some contract or algorithm. It's just that there's a habit. People have developed the habit of relying on one another to use Bitcoin as their money. 
and so they'll be able to feel secure holding their funds in Bitcoin or spending to, to get what they want as, as the situation arises. This is, this is a stable, uh, this is a sustainable kind of stability, I should say, until something better than Bitcoin comes along. So in economic terms, you're saying it won't be stable until it's um, actually reached a point that it has a lot of liquidity. Right. It, it won't be stable until the, the underlying um, f factors, the, the underlying people using it, become a stable group. I mean, I mean, there has to be real stability underlying. As Bitcoin is used more and has a higher liquidity, a single transaction on the market won't it can be absorbed by the market like it's not it won't it won't act as a shock to the system yeah and people will be prepared to to snap up bitcoins if they should show any any sign of weakness um that's that is a sustainable stability which we might have one day whereas um an engineered managed attempt at stability uh by way of a an algorithm or metric will not produce stability. So essentially a money whose supply is being manipulated towards some subjective ends um, is left in a very fragile state. Absolutely. Such that um, any stressors, any, any economic data that comes in, economic events that deviate from the manipulator's plans are a shock to the system that it can't withstand. Um, on the other hand, um, based on our earlier definition of money, uh, monetary stability, the one in which we said the integrity is what matters, um, Bitcoin is the most stable, and it's actually able to um, expose itself to these, these deviations in price, this volatility, it's actually able to grow from it. Um, it's the fact that it opens up to this information that new actors can come in and um, learn from that information. Existing actors can learn from that information. Um, and overall, um, it, it gains that liquidity that in the future will lead to what they think of as stability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, when you think about it, like a stable cryptocurrency, where's the value proposition there? Like, why would I want that over dollars? Uh, you know, I don't see... I don't see why there's there's any reason for people to adopt it if they they can't benefit from doing so. I mean, I, I would say a a major driver of Bitcoin adoption is simply the realization that if Bitcoin succeeds, you it, it will be you know the greatest investment in history. Um, so. Um, so I would say Bitcoin's instability is a crucial part of its value proposition, and any currency that attempts to to be stable by manipulating supply will uh, is at a serious disadvantage as far as adoption goes. Yeah. So if you want to go to the moon, you have to you have to not only accept the volatility, but you should be embracing it because it's how it's the fuel that will get us to the moon. Absolutely. So in the end, the question that we're really trying to answer is, is what makes a good monetary policy? Um, and the people who deeply desire some sort of price stability in Bitcoin um, want a monetary policy that artificially determines what the price 
what prices are on the market. Um, on the other hand, Bitcoin um, says no to all of that. Bitcoin is such that um, pretty much all of the variables and uncertainties of life have been able to be removed um, through the technology. The, the supply, we know exactly what it is. Um, we know, we know that uh, we don't have to worry about certain costs with transferability and um, storage and stuff like that. The only uncertainties that really exist in a, in a meaningful way um, is just the demand for money. And it's because of this, I would argue prices are able to emerge in the most sound way possible, in the most natural way possible on the market. Yeah, I mean, I would say the only thing we have to worry about is other people. And uh, you, can't, you can't ever not worry about that. that. Stability is kind of an attempt to pretend like we can not worry about other people, uh, but that's nonsense. So we can end by saying one of the biggest value propositions of Bitcoin is the death of monetary policy.